0: Please be advised that this podcast is not a production of the City of Greater Bendigo. The views and ideas expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas of the City of Greater Bendigo Council or organisation. A very big agenda for tonight's Ordinary Council meeting, the Capitol Theatre celebrates 150 years, and the countdown to the Victoria 2026 Commonwealth Games continues. Hello, my name is Matthew Evans, and welcome to my weekly podcast, In Our Local Community. Well, hello there and welcome to episode four of my weekly podcast in our local community. My name is Matthew Evans. I'm an Epilogue ward Councillor at the city of Greater Bendigo. Really great to have you listening in or if you're watching the video podcast on YouTube. Really appreciate the time that you're taking to tune in. You may have noticed if you're watching the video podcast that I'm in my Commonwealth Games uh, get up from 2018, the special merch that came out for the Gold Coast Commonwealth Games. So I'm very much repping that. This is not a gift. I very much purchased this on the way uh, to an overseas holiday uh, at the airport and it was one of my favorite purchases. So getting into the Commonwealth Games spirit, of course, uh, we counted down a thousand days till the Commonwealth Games during the week. But of course, we will touch on that in greater detail throughout this episode. Of course, this is the podcast where we'll talk about some of the things that have happened in our community during the week. I'll talk about some of the things that I've been up to and we'll also talk about some of the things that really matter to you. Some of the key things that we're going to discuss in today's podcast that happened during the week was, of course, the celebration of the Capitol Theatre and celebrating 150 years. We'll talk a bit about some of the events, including the media showcase from the ACA uh, and a bit further uh, discussion on the Countdown to... The Commonwealth Games and the key milestone of a thousand days. We're also going to talk in our expansive topics uh, an article that's appeared in the Herald Sun over the weekend, which is set to generate a lot of discussion around cost shifting. This term of cost shifting. So we're going to unpack that and the potential war of words that might uh, erupt between certain councils and uh, the Victorian government. But uh, that's sort of. ...kicked off recently and we'll unpack that in greater detail. And of course, as it is a, a council meeting day, we'll go through the agenda very briefly... ...but uh, give you a sense of what's being discussed at tonight's June Ordinary Council meeting. So we'll go through that and of course, we'll preview some of the things that are happening. Uh, and one of the main things, of course, happening are uh, the events leading up to NADOC week... ...which is uh, the 2nd to the 9th of July. Of course... If there's anything on today's podcast or in previous episodes that you would like me to discuss, or if you've got any questions or comments that you would like add on, on this podcast, feel free to get in touch. Uh, head to my website for all my contact details. My website is maddieevansmedia.com and feel free to get in touch via social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, LinkedIn, and of course, YouTube. So without further ado, let's get stuck into this episode and let's discuss some of the news and events from the week that's just been. So we're going to talk about the news and events from the week that's been, and on Wednesday, Uh, officially marked a 1,000 days until the Victoria 2026 Commonwealth Games, and the games are due to be held in March 2026, so really two years and nine months, so incredible to think that such a major event that's coming to the regions is uh, that far away. Of course, there's a lot to do, but um, in case you're wondering uh, what sports Bendigo are having, just to remind you, Bendigo is hosting the the 3-on-3 Basketball as well as the 3-on-3 Wheelchair Basketball, the Track and Paratrack Cycling, uh, the Lawn Bowls and the lawn Bowls, the Netball, Squash, and Table Tennis, and all wonderful events that we're looking forward to hosting. Uh, we've obviously there's been work, uh, sort of initial works being started on the Athletes' Village at the... Site next to the Flora Hill Aths track. So, a lot happening there. But um, of course, there's a lot happening with the games uh, just now under a thousand days till the Commonwealth Games. So, there's a lot of things to do. And no doubt, there's a lot of people in the community with lots of questions. Uh, what's going to happen? When's it going to happen? How can I get involved? And there are a lot of questions. And of course, as I've mentioned in, in previous episodes of the podcast, uh, more of this information is going to be made available very soon and hopefully it does because we all really need to know what's happening so we can adequately prepare because it does take a long time to not only put the games on for the two weeks that they're held, uh, there's also the lead-in tournaments that happen, so you need at least a few months to, to test the infrastructure and things like that, but also things about the post-games legacy and uh, admittedly it was disappointing to, the, disappointing to see that... Uh, there won't be a train station located at the showgrounds. Obviously, that would have been ideal for what events will take place at the showgrounds, but also as a potential legacy for any major event that's held at the showgrounds, uh, people can access, uh, access that area using public transport, and it would act as a very strong economic boost for that particular part of the community. That's disappointing, but Irrespective of that, we continue to push on with the games uh, preparation. And I know our director for the Commonwealth Games, Andrew Cooney, is putting in a mountain of work, basically doing all the heavy lifting locally. And we would love for um, for the counterparts to to be uh, providing the community with a little more information. And uh, there is actually an event, particularly if you're a business owner um, keen to know what's happening with the infrastructure projects. There's going to be the Bendigo Regional Showcase, which is tomorrow. Tomorrow. Um, Tuesday the 27th of June at the All Seasons, hosted by Be Bendigo with Development Victoria, ICN, Victoria 2026, and the City of Greater Bendigo is involved too. So it's really for businesses to get up to date with the major infrastructure projects, how they can apply for work, and any tips and tricks uh, in making an expression of interest. So that's a really uh, quick update as to what's happening, as of course, as you'll know, I will... Always talk about the Commonwealth Games. I'm a big supporter of the games, big supporter of regional events, major events in regional communities, especially in Greater Bendigo. And you can see I've got the merch on from Gold Coast, but I really love this jumper. So uh, very excited about the Commonwealth Games and sure to keep you up to date with further developments. Also something that happened on Wednesday during the week was Harmony, the Academy of Creative Arts mid-year showcase. Uh, Of course, the ACA is based at Benigo southeast college and it was good it was good to go along to watch the performing arts showcase there was also the creative artworks on display as well and uh as someone who did used to work at Benigo southeast college uh i uh, was it was great to see uh some familiar faces um particular shout out to e k who uh runs the program uh does an amazing job. Um, but the students, uh, the young artists, have done an amazing job with the wonderful support of their uh, teachers, their coaches, and it was great to see that showcase as well. So a particular shout-out to, to them. Of course, many of the young artists who uh, were involved in this showcase are also involved in many other aspects in the community, whether it's local theatre companies, whether it was the most recent Raw Arts Awards, uh, sometimes their artwork is on display at Exhibit B and at Dudley House, uh, both students and staff, I should say. So uh, it was wonderful to reconnect with uh, that group and good to see some familiar faces. But a big shout out to everyone at the Academy of Creative Arts for their wonderful showcase. Well, one of my favorite events from the week, as well as perhaps my one of my favorite events for the year, was of course celebrating the 150. Uh, years of the Capitol Theatre, and there are some big celebrations underway, but it really did kick off with a gala dinner at the Capitol Theatre, and it was good to be there with uh, some of my fellow councillors, the Mayor, Councillor Andrea Metcalf, our Deputy Mayor, Councillor Jennifer Olden, as well as Councillor Margaret O'Rourke. I know that uh, uh, many city staff, many team members from the Bendigo Venues and Events team were there as well to celebrate that and uh, a particular shout-out to the manager of bv Julie Amos, who gave a really good uh, semi-formal history of the Capitol Theatre. And I certainly learnt a lot about that, and particularly around the history of the Capitol, um, its origins uh, from the Masonic uh, Hall, uh, its various iterations, the demolishing of the, the Princess Theatre that was across the road. Many of you will uh, remember and recall the Princess Theatre Um I would have loved to have seen it. I would. I can only think of fo- or see photos of it. But I know many in the community uh, were very sad to see that go. And it was particularly devastating to hear that it was knocked down for, to be replaced with a fuel station, which is astonishing. But, um, but nevertheless, uh, it was great to celebrate uh, the past of the Capitol Theatre, but as well as its future. Uh, one of the things that was really thrilling to do was meet Dakota Nelson. Now Dakota Nelson has been announced as the artist who has been commissioned to do a special commemorative artwork uh, for the 150th celebration, which will be on display in the main hallway as you uh, off the main entrance off View Street. So as you're walking through there, you'll see it. There's currently a big banner that says BVNE that will be replaced with uh, the work by Dakota Nelson. So, Dakota Nelson is a Jar Warung and Yorta Yorta artist and has done an amazing job, uh, has uh, done a lot of uh, impressive pieces in the local community. It was good to learn more about her journey and sort of the major commission works that she's been doing. But it's really great to see a local artist uh, commissioned to that. And I've, from what I hear, it is going to be quite a remarkable piece. So certainly looking forward to seeing that being unveiled Uh, in the Capitol Theatre once uh, it's completed, so we're looking forward to that. But of course the celebrations keep rolling on and I've been told by Julie Amos that there is more to come with the celebrations of the 150th year of the Capitol Theatre, so definitely stay tuned for that because I suspect that there will be a really good way for the community to get involved in that. So happy birthday to the Capitol Theatre. So, an exciting event has just kicked off just in time for the school holidays, and it's Electric Wonderland in Roslyn Park. And I'll just read through the description that's uh, on the website. So, Electric Wonderland is a brand new after dark experience in Bendigo's historic Roslyn Park. This memorizing sound and light show delivers interactive exhibits, immersive light installations, and magical projections using the latest audio visual technology. This includes over 11,000 LED pixel balls, a giant inflatable astronaut with dynamic visor, a light concert with LED light tubes, interactive flower park with blooming flowers, 20 lasers producing over 2,000 laser beams, interactive path uh, projection path, kids' interactive spaces, and so much more. So... Uh, Certainly when you're heading along, particularly in these winter months, make sure that you're rugged up, that you're staying warm. But this sounds like something that is one for not just the family, not just for young ones, but for everyone. We've had many wonderful events over the past uh, couple of years, this sort of iteration where there's the light shows, the activation of Roslyn Park. So certainly looking forward to that. I'm going to go along with my wife, Kate. So we're looking forward to going to that. Uh, Make sure you get along. I've put a link in the description as to... Or more information about the event, but how you can purchase tickets. So if you have an opportunity to attend, make sure you head to Electric Wonderland during the school holidays. And finally, one story which I am very, very excited about, and it's made news in the local community during the week, was, of course, a local bid for a Victorian Netball League license. So as per an article by Shannon Schubert and Nick Healy from ABC Central Victoria, Community members in regional Victoria have joined forces to form a new netball club, the Bendigo Strikers, and applied to join the Victorian Netball League from next year. If successful, it would become the second regional Victorian club to get a team in the VNL with Geelong the only regional Victorian team in the competition. So I've put the ABC article in the description if you want to read more about that. So this is going to be an amazing opportunity, particularly for those who are up-and-coming, aspiring netballers who want to play, uh, or it's their dream to play at the top level. This is going to provide that amazing pathway. It's going to provide a championship team as well as an under-23 team. Uh, But you often hear, um, particularly from people that I speak to and um others who are that play netball or have daughters that play netball uh the extraordinary uh distances they have to travel to just play netball and particularly those who go onto squad or more representative forms of netball the amount of travel between Bendigo and Melbourne and different parts of the country um but especially going to and from Melbourne it becomes quite uh quite arduous and it was interesting. Someone was saying that the catchment for Bendigo, in terms of all the people that play netball in the Bendigo region, actually accounts for a large portion of participation across the nation. I can't remember the precise figures, and I can get it for you. But basically, it just underscores the need to have a VNL license. And if this comes to fruition, I'll be incredibly excited um, to see a, a, a VNL team based in Bendigo. Um, interestingly. Uh, I'm not sure if we will get the um, Suncorp Super Netball license. Of course, Collingwood recently announcing that they're no longer going to be part of the competition. So it's opened this opportunity up for a license in the national competition. How good would it be to have a a national elite netball team based in Bendigo? A bit like how we've got the Bendigo spirit in the WNBL. But uh, I'm sure everyone will be very happy to see the Bendigo strikers uh, enter their VNL um, if it is successful. So so he's hoping that that gets the go ahead. Hey! So we're going to dive deep into a topic called cost shifting. And the reason why we're going to talk about it is there's been some media coverage of this issue over the weekend. And it's certainly going to generate a lot of discussion in the local government sector, as well as be interesting to see how the state government responds to it. But it's an important topic that I think you need to know about. And we're just going to explore it a little bit more. So we'll talk about what it is, uh, what's prompted this particular discussion on cost shifting. I'll give you a few examples of what it is. And uh, we'll go from there and we'll dive deeper into some other considerations and basically why it how it will impact you but also why you need to know about it so as it was covered in kieran rooney's article in the herald sun on sunday i'm quoting from the article councils have lashed the victorian government for passing on the costs of projects and services they say aren't their responsibility and resulting in ratepayers footing the bills now several mayors uh, across the state have heavily criticized the state government for what's known as cost shifting. Essentially what cost shifting is is where councils are forced to deliver services that are the responsibility of the state government but it's delivered by councils and largely subsidized by ratepayers. So this comes off the back of some comments that the Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews said in response to some statistics that came out which suggested that Victoria was Australia's most taxed state. Uh, Now, I'm not going to get too bogged down in the debate of whether or not Victoria is the most uh, taxed state in the nation, although one could argue that it's self-evident. But I would encourage you to see what others have said. Um, I know that the Mayor of Mornington Peninsula, the Mayor of Geelong, uh, the MAV, MAV president, uh, David Clark has had some things to say in his commentary in response to this. I know that other councils like the mayor of Glen um Stonnington, I think as well, uh, featured in this article in the Herald Sun. So so I won't get bogged into the debate. Obviously, it's going to rage and there's going to be this sort of tit for tat, as you can probably imagine. But what I wanted to talk about, and perhaps if you're listening or watching this news unfold and you're wondering what this concept of cost shifting is, I'm going to go, I'll do my best to um, to talk through what cost shifting is. So essentially, you might know of some of the services that uh, in your day-to-day life or whether you experience this service directly, there are things that the council delivers uh, that are actually the responsibility of the state government. Now, there are over 10 examples. Uh, there's at least 15 examples, I'm pretty sure. But um, there are some big ones that um, that council delivers, but it's actually a state government uh, responsibility. So for example, uh, we've got uh, libraries and learning centers, uh, school uh, crossing supervisors, that's a, a common one, maternal child health, that's a, a really big one. There's also early years infrastructure uh, the landfill levy and waste services. Now, this one is a big bug bearer for many people in the community. Um, it's certainly a bugbearer of mine, uh, noting that, uh, yes, there is a waste levy that appears on your rates bill, on, on the rates bills that we all receive, but it's actually, uh, for a council, it's a cost neutral service. In fact, the waste levy is, a, is an EPA tax. So I Um, publicly and privately refer to it as a state government tax in disguise, because ultimately the state government is responsible for waste management. Uh, Council collects uh, uh, rubbish, of course, uh, colloquially referred as one of the three R's, but uh, waste management and waste collection is actually the responsibility of the state government. And particularly that waste levy, a lot of it goes into this fund that is currently sitting there and none of that... Money is basically being spent at the moment, so it would be good to get more of those funds back into the local community, investing in local initiatives. The City of Greater Bendigo is a is a nation leader. I would go as far as to say, as a world leader in some of the waste management initiatives that it is undertaking. Um, but yet, a lot of the the revenue that's collected through the waste levy is actually going to to Melbourne, and it's not being spent in the community. So you can raise all this revenue all you like, but it's really not improving. The situation on the ground locally. But in all of these examples that I've just mentioned, things like libraries, uh, school, cropping, uh, school crossing supervisors, maternal child health, they're all areas that are primarily the responsibility of the state government. And council uh, is a delivery partner in these services. But one of the things that's putting pressure on the budget is this notion of having a 50-50 contribution is slowly being eroded away. And what it's essentially led to is many councils, and in some cases in our council in Greater Bendigo, there have been evidences or examples of cost shipping where ratepayers have had to be further subsidizing the delivery of the service. So uh, it is a real problem. And the reality is things like this as in a rate-capped environment, so that's the other dilemma that Puts financial pressure on councils is this thing called the rate cap, where um, uh, the council can only increase its rates by a certain amount. And this year for many councils, uh, that was 3.5, which is half of what inflation has been. And it puts a, a compounding effect on council. So when you add this notion of cost shifting and rate capping together, it really creates this significant pressure on councils to deliver the services that you rely on. So uh, hard decisions are going to have to be made. And like all budgets, whether it's a council budget, whether it's a state or a federal government budget, whether it's your household budget, whether it's a business budget, when there's pressure on the income, then with, without having this conversation of increasing the amount of income, so in a local government or a council, oh, sorry, a, a state or you know, essentially re, uh, increasing taxes, which... Is basically a no-go zone. Um, then you need to look at your expenditure, and then you have to look at where you make cuts, basically. And I know that in the Herald Sun article, the the mayor of uh, Glen Ira uh, was talking about some of the the cuts that they're going to have to make, and it's going to be a budget reality. And unfortunately, that you know means that they they are going to be the, some of the services that that you rely on. Now people can say, well, woe is council. You know, you should be spending money on. On things that really matter, and not worry about all these peripheral things like you know painting rainbow flags on at the front of the town hall and things like that. And that's that's fine. Every bit of uh, council spending does need to be scrutinised, and it certainly is, and it it's no different in Greater Bendigo. But we're now we're talking about cost shifting on things that are essential services that really matter to people, particularly school crossing supervisors. I mean, making sure that your children cross the road safely at, during school and um, pick up and drop off times, but also maternal child health. That is a fundamentally important service. And with all the other changes that are happening in the state system and as well as the federal system with cheaper childcare and things like that, the question has to be asked, what what is local government's actual role? And rate payers can't continue to subsidize something that ultimately we're not primarily responsible for. As David Clark says, we really need to be more of a partner with the Victorian government, with the state government, rather than having these tit-for-tat arguments. Um, But I do think, uh, looking at this objectively, I think there is an opportunity to really holistically evaluate this situation, look at the situation with the so-called cost shifting that's happening versus the rate capping, and have a really good thorough holistic conversation about how we can actually do this and how we can actually deliver these services and fund these services in a way that's fair but also ultimately does not put pressure on rate payers because this is the part of the problem with uh, with cost shifting is that ultimately it's rate payers who end up footing the bill and bearing the brunt of it and at times where we're talking about high inflation cost of living is going up there needs to be a thorough conversation about that so hopefully that can happen. There will be probably a bit of toing and froing with certain councils who've been very vocal on this topic and and the state government. But at the end of the day, what's most important is that we're providing the services that that people rely on, and we're doing it in a fair and equitable way, and that it doesn't overly burden uh, ratepayers' money. Because at the end of the day, we are dealing with ratepayers' money. But of course, I would love to know what you think on that. So if there's any ideas, thoughts, or comments you had on that particular topic, uh, feel free to get in touch. Uh, my contact details are on my website, maddieevansmedia.com, And of course, get in touch via social media. So we're now going to go through the agenda for tonight's council meeting. Now, if you're listening on the Monday before the council meeting, uh, it's tonight at the Bendigo Town Hall. It starts at 6 p.m. And if you want to attend, uh, you can. I think you have to register online, but you're more than welcome to attend. You're also more than welcome to watch the live stream from the very comfort of your own home. I'm sure that uh, if you really want to, you can snuggle up in front of the heater, staying really warm, and you can watch the live stream on the website. I've put the link in the description so you can access the agenda as well as the live stream there. Uh, And you can also listen via community radio Phoenix FM. So uh, if you're inclined to do that and to tune in, uh, feel free to do so. So I'm going to go through the uh, agenda item. When I do these sorts of meeting previews, I won't go through the specifics or even what I'm thinking about it. I'll save that for the actual meeting itself. But uh, just a preview, we'll just do a summary of what's happening. Of course, you can see the full agenda and all the information on the website. And again, the link is in the description. So we'll go through it. So the first main thing that's gonna be on the agenda, are the uh, well, we have public question time, which uh, many members of the community utilize that to ask particular questions, so we have that. Uh, we then get to the ward council, rather ward reports, and I'm doing the Epilogue ward report for this month. So looking forward to discussing and sharing with the community what uh, myself, as well as uh, Councillor Margaret O'Rourke and Councillor Greg Penner have been up to, uh, and there will be ward reports from the other wards as well. Uh so Moving along down, we've got a couple of petitions. We've got one on the part closure of Robshaw Street and Ironbark and another one, uh, a request for speed limit reductions at Peterlings Road in Bagshot. So a couple of petitions there. Uh, Under lead and govern for all, we've got the review of the public transparency policy. So just updating that. Uh, We've got the contracts awarded under delegation and there's only one of them. Then we get to the the meaty bit of the agenda, which is basically the planning matters and the planning scheme amendment. So the first one we've got is the planning scheme amendment C269 uh, and the planning, applic- uh, planning permit application, I should say, that goes with that uh, for Pratts Park Road in Strathdale. We've got a couple of planning applications, two in Eagle Hawk as well as one in Sebastian and there's another one in uh, out in Epilock. Uh, the Positive Aging Action Plan uh, is due to be endorsed, so that's uh, on the agenda tonight, so feel free to have a look at that in greater detail. And uh, interesting, in the previous topic we were talking about cost shifting, uh, we've got the uh, an item on the North Central Goldfields regional library service and funding agreement. So a renewal of that. Um, so that's in that section of the agenda, of course, probably the item, uh, there's, there's going to be two items that are going to generate a lot of conversation, uh, in the community, uh, in, in chronological agenda order. Uh, the first one we'll be talking about is the voice to parliament referendum, uh, with that referendum anticipated to be held sometime in the back end of this year. So that'll be an interesting point. And then the other one is going to be the curbside frequency change, the implementation and education plan. So as many of you may recall, previously we at the start of this year, we made a decision to change the frequency of the uh, bin collection. So the general waste will go from weekly to fortnightly organics will go to weekly and, Recycling will remain fortnightly, so um, so that's going to be uh, so. Those two alone are going to generate a lot of discussion, and um, so that's so tune in for that. Uh, and then finally, we've got a- another planning scheme amendment, basically to go to the next stage, uh, or for council to approve it to go to the next stage regarding the miners' housing serial listings. So that's on the agenda, and then the uh, the public art policy is. Uh, being put up for adoption so uh we also will hear from the mayor in terms of what the mayor's been up to in her report as well as uh, the chief executive officer's report and that's pretty much the meeting uh there so it's going to be a big agenda there's at least 16 items that we're going to discuss it'll be a lengthy one but um it's part of the job it's part of the the role of being a councilor and yes there's always a lot to do so a big meeting. As I said before, uh, feel free to come along if you would like. Make sure that you register your interest to attend. Uh, feel free to tune in via the live stream. You can access the live stream and the agenda on the city's website. And again, I've put the description, uh, the link in the description, I should say. And uh, you can also listen via Community Radio Phoenix FM. Uh, the frequency is, um, the frequency is uh, 106.7 FM. So that's on tonight, the June 2023 Ordinary Council meeting uh, at the Bendigo Town Hall from 6 p.m. So feel free to tune in if you so desire. So we have talked about a lot in this podcast, a lot's been happening during the week, and of course, there is plenty to come in the weeks and months ahead. So, I'll just share with you some of the things that uh, I'm looking forward to, some of the things that are happening in our community. Uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, of course, uh, NADOC Week is fast approaching. That'll run from the second, uh, the second to the ninth of July, and there will be some NADOC Week uh, events that are happening uh, in the lead-up. So uh, later on this week, there's going to be um, a flag-raising and award ceremony that Badak are hosting. And there's always going to be the NAIDOC Ball, which I'm looking forward to, to going along to. Uh, the Nuldurong Art Exhibition, is going to, there's going to be a launch of that for this year's iteration uh, at Dudley House. So looking forward to that on Thursday. Uh, in terms of other events that are happening, I mentioned in last week's episode that uh, later on today, Reidsdale's biggest morning tea as part of the Cancer Council fundraiser is on there in the community hall. So looking forward to getting up to Reidsdale to join the community to celebrate that. And the Epiloc, the Epiloc ward councillors have got a listening post uh, on Saturday out at Stratfield Say IGA. So we're really looking forward to that, listening to uh, and, and catching up with everyone in the Stratfield Say community uh, to see what the local issues are, if you've got any uh, things that you'd like to discuss. So keep an eye out for that. But um, yeah, of course, there's, if there's anything else that's happening in the community, by the way, uh, that uh, you would like me to, to promote on this podcast or something that's happening that you think I need to talk about, then feel free to get in touch. I'm more than happy to to share that on here. So of course, Tune in to next week's episode uh, where we'll review some of the things that came out of the council meeting tonight. And I'm sure there will at least be a couple that come out of uh, the council meeting, which will be of particular discussion. I'm sure that you'll be interested to learn more about. And of course, we'll discuss all the other things that have happened in the community. uh, Some of the things that I've been up to and some of the things that you've been up to, uh, if you'd like to, to share that. So, it's been a big episode this week. we've discussed a lot. Uh, there's been a wide ranging uh, or there's been a wide range of topics that we've discussed. so once again really appreciate uh, the time you've taken to tune into all or certain parts of this episode. But before we wrap up, of course I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on some of the topics that we discussed today. So as always, if there's something that you have any bit of feedback or any ideas or suggestions or anything that you'd like me to discuss, Feel free to get in touch. All my contact details are on my website, maddieevansmedia.com, And feel free to connect and get in touch via social media. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, Twitter, and of course, LinkedIn. So tune in to next week. Uh, next week's episode will be episode five, uh, released on the 3rd of July. All episodes of the podcast, including this one, will be available on my website, on my YouTube channel and from wherever you get your favorite podcasts. So that's all we have time for. I know many of you will be on school holidays. Uh, If you're on school holidays, please stay safe. Enjoy the time away. Uh, To everyone else um, that's uh, grinding away, making sure that they're getting the job done uh, in the community and continue to work very hard, Uh, stay well, stay warm. And uh, with that, stay classy, Greater Bendigo, and see you in the local community.